Blog Talk Radio. Coming at you live. It is Buzzworthy Radio, where you can get the latest buzz on all your favorite shows and stars. Buzzworthy starts now. Hello, Nadelle. This is the Web Queen and Helena Cassidyne wishing you a happy anniversary. May you buzz on for another 30 years. We love listening to you. Bye. Buzzworthy Radio's anniversary week is sponsored by Absolutely Shitless. Is there a specific should that you want to try to give up, or is there a should that is causing you a great deal of stress in your life? Well, today marks the third annual Give Up Your Shoulds Day, where you are able to get rid of some of the clutter of all of your shoulds. And not just for today, you can do it at any time of your life. Pick up Absolutely Shouldless, written by Damon L. Jacobs at your local bookstore or at Amazon.com. Hey everybody, this is Navelle J. Lee, and welcome back to Anniversary Week here on Buzzworthy Radio on blogtalkradio.com. It's Tuesday, November 2nd, 2010, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, and we are presenting to you three back-to-back interviews that we have done here on the show within the past three years who I felt that were very enlightening, they were very entertaining, and of course, they all have something in common, they were all first for me. And the first one we are presenting to you is the interview that I did recently with Maurice Bernard back in February of this year. Maurice plays the role of Sonny Carenthos on ABC Daytime's General Hospital. He's played the role on and off since 1993. Uh, I, I have to be honest. When I, I got word that I was doing this interview with him, I you should have seen me. I turned white as a sheet. And I don't even know if I can actually do that, but once I did you could tell that I was excited. I was excited to talk to this man, and it pretty much showed in the interview. So I was very, very uh, happy with how the interview turned out. So I hope you guys enjoyed as well. So here is our interview with Maurice Bernard. Dominic, somehow, he has this fire that's on the show. He brings it out, out of both of you. And what was, what's it like working with him? And I heard that you read with him during the audition process, and you thought that he was the best Dante to play this part? Well, Working I think, uh, you know, there, was so, there were a lot of great actors that came in. I was, I was, it was exciting, you know. Uh, but Dominic, to me, had the animal, animal uh, thing inside of him that I felt. You know, everybody, everybody liked him, and, and we all talked about it, and I felt he had that animal thing that... That you need to have as my son, mm-hmm. and it's proven that uh, it's it's there and it's working. You know, him and I, when we work, it's like uh, it's so easy. Yeah. Because you know we challenge each other, and he, you know, it's it's great. It's fantastic. What can, if you can say, what can we expect more from this storyline? We already had the confrontation. Um, Dante was already revealed that well, he. Well, you know what. <clears throat> During uh, what's been airing this week, it's funny. I was sick as a dog. <laughs> I can and hear it a little bit. Yeah, you could, and it worked for what was going on, you know. But uh, I know there, and I don't remember because I was so sick. But next week, the week after, is some great, great stuff. If you think you've seen something now, what, what's I mean, although the Friday show, you know, the big show where I shoot him was fantastic. I mean, you, I don't know if you could top that as far as just the drama of it. But the what? acting and the writing 
for the next couple of weeks to months is unreal. And I don't I don't even know what goes on after it, but I hear it still goes on for is great stuff for a while. A lot of repercussions coming from this. Yeah, yeah. Especially myself, besides being a host, but watching this as a fan of the show, I'm watching it, and Sonny's one of my favorite characters. I'm not going to lie. I'm not sugarcoating it. I love Sonny to death. I really do. And watching it deal with his, can I say demons? I guess that's the right word. Yeah, yeah that's good. That's good. Uh, dealing with the fact that he just shot his own son, not to mention that he didn't know that this was his son, kept from him for so long. Yeah. And now he's dealing with the fact that he did shoot his family, a part of his family, which is something that Sonny would never want to do. He loves his family to death. So I think that's really one of the one of the major key elements of the storyline that I'm alluding is to see how Sonny is going to cope and deal with this afterwards. I think that's part of the storyline that makes it so great. Yeah, um, uh, everything you said was so right on. I mean, the fact that uh, he's dealing with his kids is so great because you he you really see him having to really be uncomfortable and deal. Because when kids talk, you have to listen. You can't, you know, mm-hmm. let that go. I mean, if it's just adults, he's had that in the past. You know, you're bad. Right. You're bad. And you shouldn't have done that. But with the kids. It's uh, it's amazing to to uh, to play because it's not easy, and all my kids are wonderful, and that's yeah. a another thing about what's happening as far as my opinion. You just what with me and my kids and and with Lisa as the mother of Dante, you believe you believe it physically, right. acting wise, and that's important because if if you kind of don't believe it. It's just a, it just becomes what a soap is, right? Right. But right now you believe in it all, and it's like wow, it's almost like watching a great movie, you know. And I have to say one more thing. This is, has nothing to do with anything, but your voice reminds me of my best friend <laughs> who, who who just died, passed away. Oh, I'm so sorry, man. And it's 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 it's, it's, it's oh man, it's weird. Anyway, go ahead. I hope that's good. <laughs> oh, it's, it's good, but it's also uh, yeah, it's sad to me. You know, it's, it's totally bad. understandable. Yeah. Totally understandable. Anyway, and uh, when with this storyline, uh, this is this is something that's in my head. I don't know if this is going to happen but again. This is the fan of me speaking, but I would love it if, besides the fact that he has to cope with this by himself, at least has. Somebody by his side, and I'm I'm uh, going the lengths of like Carly, maybe, if not Olivia, I, more or less Carly by his side, because I think something like this should bring forth like a past love that Sonny has had to. Yeah, it, you know, um, I definitely, I completely, and I, I like what you're saying. I mean, you're 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 right on, and I can tell you're you're into the you're you're somebody who watches the show and whatnot, which is great for me because. Sometimes you get people who don't, they just ask the same questions. <laughs> uh, I agree with you. And I think uh, there's going to be a little of Carly, a little of Olivia, and there may be a possibility of, of, you know, you never know who's coming down the line. I agree. I agree. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, that that's also a possibility. But, it, it, you know, it's always, but you know what's beautiful, what they're doing writing-wise? 
they're having a lot of people like Robin come in, Carly. Olivia and I are fighting a lot, but uh, Jason, uh, Michael, who who I can kind of bounce off of. Right. And you see that part of it. But I do definitely agree, and I think the fans want a romantic love. You know, it's been, it's been I don't know, since Kate that he's had, and that's a long, that's a while now since he's had a romantic love, you know. Exactly. Exactly. I still feel Brenda's the love of Sonny's life, but <laughs> I do. I feel Brenda is the love of Sonny's life. I grew up with him. Come on. I, yeah, that's that was me. Fantastic. That's just me. That's just my two cents I'm throwing out there. I'm allowed, I think. I think I'm allowed. But, yeah. Here's the hoping, maybe. Yeah, but, sure. Here's the hoping. Tell us about this contest that you got going on. I saw this the other day, and I was, like, looking at it. I said, that's pretty tight that you're doing this this whole entire month. Tell yeah, us a little you know, it's my wife's idea, and I definitely agreed. It, it, uh, my wife can come up with some great things. And, and, you know, look, it's not about anything. I'm not doing it for money or anything like that, to, but I'm just doing it for the love of the story. And I'm yeah. also doing it because I haven't uh, done appearances in a long time because uh, I'm, you know, I haven't flown since uh, seven years ago or whatever. But uh, so it's a chance; to, it's a good chance for me to talk to the fans and, and see what they think. And and uh, you know, we look, you know, the soaps are, uh, as people are saying, are kind of uh, it's a dying breed somewhere. A dying breed. But you know what? We keep doing what we're doing right now. I can't imagine people not wanting to watch. Yeah. So, you know. I heard that a lot, especially with this storyline. The biggest thing, the biggest compliments I've heard, the words exactly was, General Hospital, what happened in General Hospital? It's on fire. Yeah. That was it. That's it. It is on fire. And, you know, the the more people talk, the more, I mean, I'm hearing the ratings are showing that. And that's what we need because, uh, and we got to continue it all year round. I mean, I know it's tough. <laughs> yes. But yes. if you can, if you can, maybe not match this story, but do, you know, you know, at at seventy five percent, seventy percent, people will keep going. The problem is with soaps is you do these stories and then all of a sudden it dies, 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 and then people stop. And so you really have to continue. I know it's difficult, but it but it has to be done. It gets stale after a while, and that's yeah. what happens when people start tuning out. They're not interested. They're not invested anymore. Right. But right and now, I mean, I watched yesterday's show, and I can't imagine somebody tuning in not wanting to know what happens Monday. Exactly. I mean, it's just amazing to me. It just it just went uphill. Besides your story, uh, John Jackson, who I'm, yeah. I'm so happy he's back on the show. No offense right. to Greg. I love Greg, but Jonathan Jackson brought something to Lucky again that he's played years ago. Yeah. That started uphill, and then it then your story hit, and then it just went uphill some more, and it's just it's just continuing on that stretch. It, I think it, I think what's happening is everybody is stepping up. And and the writing is getting even better because I think that, like I said before, the point of view when, when you when you when you're acting and your point of view is strong, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna bring it because if you don't bring it, you get sucked in. So you know because the other person has a, a strong point of view, right? And if you're not bringing it, you're gonna you know you're gonna get eaten up. They're gonna they're gonna lose quickly to it. They're gonna lose right. quickly to. What's going on on the screen? If you're, not you're, 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 
when you when two people have two strong points of view, you better you better step up. Yeah. And if you don't, there we go. Yeah. I remember you saying that to Vanessa Marcel when she first started working with you. You said that if you work with me, you got to go to acting class. What? I remember that quote. I remember that. <laughs> I thought that was so killer. I thought that well, was genius. She, she actually said, but I did not say, she said that I told her she sucked, and but that wasn't true uh, at all. It wasn't true. What I said to her was, look, you know, how good do we want to be here? Mm-hmm. And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, we can keep doing this kind of dance that's kind of blah, blah, blah. But if you, we want to we want to take it to the, the, the levels of greatness, we got to really work hard. I said, you know, let me show you what I, a bit of what I do. And she said, <clears throat> I'd love it with, with excitement. Yeah. And we and, and it was great. She's so she was so receptive and learned and and you know, she was one who wanted to be better and it was fantastic. Absolutely. I got to ask you this too before we wrap it up. Are you submitting yourself for the after this year? Well, you know, Paula, you know, that was for last for last year. Paula Paul and my wife did it, you know, again. Mm-hmm. Which is great. It was fine, you know. I mean, uh I'm into it, you know, as much as I can be, and it's all good. I mean, I, I'm I'm having as much. To me, winning Emmys and not winning Emmys, right now, this is like better than any Emmy. Just doing, watching everybody do the the work they're doing on this show, and me being able to come in and and just do what I do, and it's it's just it's it makes you want it makes you proud, right? It does. Yeah. Keeps you wanting to do more. That's yeah. it. That is how it rolls. And also, you guys, if you want to get, if you want to enter this this contest that he is doing, he's doing it for the whole month of February. Log on to MauriceBernard.tv. Uh, click on the image. Just put in there your name, email, phone number. Short little note. He picks one person a day for this entire month. Catch him at Sunny Corrientos on ABC weeknights on Soapnet. Again, a pleasure, sir, to have you here. Doors always open, of course. I always invite everybody back if they would like to, and I open open that door to you. So I appreciate the great questions. Absolutely. You take care now. We'll keep on watching you, all right? All right. Thank you. Thank you. And now a classic Buzzworthy Radio moment. After all the progress they've made, it's kind of, it wasn't nice to see. Hey, hey, one, one second. I got Christopher on my cell phone. Yo, 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 yo. Hey, listen. <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing a blog talk radio right now, and like all the girls are cussing you out because you're being a fool and shit. Do you want to call the number and, and jump in and defend yourself? Because I'm defending you. And I ain't good. Oh no! Well, what I right. stormed okay, into her boyfriend's house and and take her out of there, manhandle her if I thought that her relationship with this significant other was a negative one. Um. If there were drugs and alcohol uh, <laughs> yes. involved, it, it's it's a no-brainer. Yes, I would. No, I agree um, with you being, on that. <laughs> yeah, seeing that that it's it's really yo 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 down. yo. What, what what if he made love to her the way I do? Would you be jealous of me like something? <laughs> oh. Wow. oh my god! Wow. No one would think of that with their daughter. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah, man. See, my son-in-law is talking to me about actually having sex with my daughter. Now I'm going to get mad Not and cool. jump to the phone. Not cool. <laughs> That was Maurice Bernard, everybody. And again, I <laughs> I thought it was so cool when he said my voice didn't like his his best friend, and 
You know, I, I think that's one of the comments that you would ever receive on this show that will forever live in infamy. So it was a pleasure talking with him. I hope one day in the not-too-distant future I'll get to talk to him again on the show. It was a lot of fun, and I definitely am, would love to have him back here, no doubt. Coming up next now, we have Patricia Richardson, who many fans remember of playing the role of Jill Taylor on the hit ABC sitcom Home Improvement opposite Tim Allen. What I loved about this interview was the fact that we got to talk about Home Improvement and about Tim Allen, actually, because I never realized in her opinion that she felt that he was very underrated in Hollywood. I mean, she really went to bat for, for him, and I really thought that was extremely classy, and I never realized that that's how she felt and that's how he was seen in in Hollywood and very underrated in Hollywood so you get to hear her opinions on that as well so here is our interview that we recently have done with Patricia Richardson Hi Patricia how are you? Hi who am I talking to? My name is Navelle nice to meet you on the phone side anyway (laughs) I have to I have to be honest you're Lee you're not Lee aren't you Lee or that's my last name, actually. So you're called Navelle? My first name is Navelle. My last name is Lee. And they oh, always got to... Con- wrong on here. Yeah, yeah, it's reversed. Uh, <laughs> it's reversed. Okay. So whenever they called me Lee, I never really corrected them because, frankly, I'm called by my last name all the time because nobody can say my first name. So I just uh, let it roll. Okay. <laughs> yep. I can I be honest? I'm kind of starstruck talking to you because hello, I watched Home Improvement all my life, and <laughs> I love That's the so show. Cool. I love, I love the show. I love Jill and and Tim. You, you you and Tim had the best chemistry on the show. It was one of the best sitcoms ever, and yeah, I, I'm like I'm like right now in my glory. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I know you feel I get that way about people. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I hope so. I totally do. Um, I get that way about people all the time. How, um, I have to ask, working with Tim Taylor on that show, what was that like working with such such a great comedic actor and, all, of course, all the mishaps that happened on that show, which, of course, was the best part. Doing that show, what was that like for you? He was so amazing. He was so fun, and, and he's always underrated as an actor because he was really, really? responsive. Oh, yeah. You know, he was so really just reactive, you know, and real emotional and really there, you know. And, and you know, I, I always kind of feel like Hollywood dishes him and they don't give him enough credit for what a good actor he is because he really is. I mean, he's really emotional. In fact, it was, when he first started, it was really new for him and he was a little bit scared about it. And he would, like, just start to cry. I bet we'd be doing a scene that would be really serious and he mm-hmm. wouldn't know. He'd be surprised himself because he was just so out there and so ready and so available that if I was crying or something or we, he would be so in the scene that it would surprise him and he would start to feel something and start to like and stop it. I mean like we'd be rehearsing and then he would yeah. stop the scene because he would have this emotional reaction and he'd turn to John Cusquin and he'd go wait a minute, wait a minute and John go why are you stopping? Yeah. She's upset. <laughs> John goes, yeah, that's 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 called acting. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're having a response that's good, so go with that. 
And, you know, it was really so wonderful because that's just the way he was. And he's a super courageous, really courageous actor. I mean, he was, you know, so always willing to just jump into stuff and go with it. And I was kind of resented that Hollywood was so, I don't know why, but they were just so kind of unwilling to acknowledge. I mean, Jerry Sanfeld, as great as he was as a stand-up and awesome as he was as a stand-up, was not an actor, yeah. you know, right. never an actor. And Tim really was an actor. And uh, oh, yeah. never really acknowledged for that. Oh, uh, I kind of really was uh, upset about that. Oh, I, I I agree wholeheartedly with that statement because I never heard about that. Before. Like I never felt in my in my mind he was underrated. Maybe that's just my bias because, like I just said at the beginning, this was one of my favorite shows. I never thought of him as being underrated in this industry. He but, didn't get Emmy nomination. He only got one Emmy nomination because Michael Eisner kind of blew it for him that one year that they totally forgot to get his nomination in on time. Might they, you know, they made this big deal about, oh, he didn't, they didn't get the nomination in on time, so he didn't get nominated. And then Michael Eisner made a big deal, of, like, the next year about making this parade. You know, they sort of made this thing about, oh, well, if they'd gotten it in on time, he would have been nominated. And then that offended people because there was this sort of assumption that if they'd gotten it in on time, he would have been nominated. Then a bunch of people got mad and were insulted that there, there was some sort of assumption there. It wasn't Tim's assumption. It was Disney's and some, the press machine, and it was never Tim's. But people were offended because yeah. it sounded like it was Tim's assumption, and then he never got nominated again. And, and the next year wow. when it came time to do the nomination, Michael Eisner insisted on doing this big thing of having this sort of parade or something to put the nomination in the mail to make sure that it got in the mail, blah, blah, blah. And that was such a mistake because it just made an even bigger deal of, of something that was already a mistake. And Tim never got nominated again, I think, uh, largely because of that whole thing that was a mistake anyway. And, right. you know, and it turned people off, and it really wasn't Tim. It was other people's mistake. Right. You know, but, but, you know, it wasn't for lack of his good work. Right. You know, exactly. It was um, kind of a, just a long impression about who he was. Right, and it just seems like years later they kind of just like put him in in that category of as to where what's the what's the correct phrase I want to use for that? They put him in such a way where he he gets he gets overlooked for many many things now because I, I seriously think that he should like come back to television because he is that he's that great actor who is very good at comedic timing, and we don't have that many good shows on on TV now, and he would be great if he came back onto the scene, but. Do you think Hollywood will want him type of a category, I think? I know. I just get, I don't know what it is. I mean, people just, I think people just assume that he's somebody he's not for a really long time. And yeah. uh, it's really kind of unfair. Uh, you know, he's so, uh, I really always think he's really underrated as an actor. Yeah. Oh, totally. Do you still keep in touch with him from time to time? No, not that much. I have been recently talking to Zach, who play, who's amazing. Zach is behind the camera now and producing and is now producing his third film in Louisiana with uh, Brian Cranston and Melanie Griffin. Oh, wonderful. Um, isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just heard from him, and I'm producing my first film down there, so he may help me a little bit, because I'm going to produce my first film in Louisiana in September, and he's already been down there doing a couple of films, so I think he's going to help me out a little bit, teach me a little bit oh, about wonderful. how to deal in Louisiana film credits, blah, blah, blah. Oh, wonderful. And wonderful. Well, we should talk and about Jensen. Yeah, um, since you were speaking of films, we were talking. Uh, let's talk about the Jensen Project, who airs tonight at 8 p.m. on NBC. Who is the character that you're playing in this film? 
I'm playing um, a woman who runs this um, secret society of geniuses. It's sort of like the anti-Anne Rand idea, you know, hers being that, you know, people who are really intelligent or gifted or geniuses should be mm-hmm. somehow super rewarded by society. These people are don't want to be. They want to be secret. They want to just give what they invent to society and not take credit for it, not get money for it, and stay secret. Like if they invent something, they just give it to CDC. Right. So, um, they've been doing that for years, but what's happened is my evil brother has stolen something that we've invented for the good of mankind, but he wants to turn it into a weapon and give it, sell it to some bad guys. So I've gone to Kelly Martin and her husband, played by Brady Smith, and um, mm-hmm. asked them to come back and help us get this thing back. And they have this mischievous son who's a teenager who comes and starts wandering around the premises getting into trouble. And Ooh. he runs into Alyssa Diaz, as the world turns, and she, he gets a big crush on her because she's older and really cute. And the two of them <laughs> actually end up sort of helping save the day because, you know, that's how it gets to be kind of like spy kids, you know, because these kids, these teenagers, you know, uh, by getting into trouble actually help us, you know, um, okay. um, fight the bad guys. You know, so that's how, and it's supposed to be a family project, and that's, this whole thing is supposed to be something that, you know, parents can watch with their kids, and and um, that these these kids that they got, Justin Kelly, who plays the mm-hmm. boy, and Alyssa are so charming. I think they're the best thing about the whole show. You know, you they're a, wonderful. And you got a great cast for this movie. Besides Kelly Martin, who you just mentioned, LeVar Burton's in this film. You got yeah, a, he, he, works, he works at the Genius Place. You know, he's like okay. one's the security there. Okay, great. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's just. I saw the the the, uh, the cast roster for this movie, and I was like, this is a good cast. And you know, I've like heard of Annie from you in a while, so I was like, this is great. I get to finally see her doing something back on the screen again. So this is actually again. Yeah, well, I took off like three or four years to kind of make sure that my, to kind of just stay home and just you know, it was really hard for me to split focus between having teenagers and working, I just found it just didn't work. I kept trying to work and also be a parent, and every time I did, I'd end up with 15-hour days and not being able to get home, and it just didn't work. So I finally just stopped and stayed home. And now my last daughter just graduated from high school, and I can get back to work, and I'm really excited. I'm excited. I'm excited for you. Keep us posted on this movie that you're supposed to do in September, and we'll all we're all going to watch you tonight on the Jensen Project on NBC. I wish you so much the best. I had so much fun talking to you. I'd love for you to come back on the show anytime you want. Great. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Uh, Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Voted one of week's best on Blog Talk Radio and the best of BTR. That was Patricia Richardson on the show. And it was just phenomenal to speak with her because I was a huge fan of Home Improvement. So having the chance to talk to this this lady of this kind of caliber, it, it definitely was a thrill for me. Another thrill for me is the interview that we're about to showcase to you right now. It is the interview that I did in 2008 with Scott Bryce who was the original Craig Montgomery on CBS Daytime's As the World Turns. We interviewed him recently after he was let go from the show. And he had he had pretty much a lot to say about the show in general, especially with the fact that he, he definitely wanted to work with Terry Conlobino. He loved her, and it was a shame that they never had any scenes together on the show when they worked together. 
and his opinions about Martha Byrne, especially with the fact that they let her walk off the show, was extremely candid. It was very candid, and, you know, I, I didn't expect any less when it came to Scott Bryce, especially with Martha Byrne. And you get to hear it for yourself. Here it is, Scott Bryce here on Buzzworthy. We have a very, very special guest with us today, um, one of my favorite actors, and even though people say I'm young to remember him, I actually do remember him being a five-year-old kid watching as well turned. Uh, Scott Bryce, well, it's true. Scott Bryce true. is here with us. Scott Bryce is here. He played the role of Craig Montgomery since 1982 and uh, initially left the show in 1994 and then made a return in 2007. So it was nice to see him again. I loved him in the role, and I believe he's here. Hopefully I'm bringing on the right one. Uh, Scott, are you with us? I am. How are you guys? How are you today? We are great now that you're here. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. Did now, you watched me, you watched me when, I was when you were five years old? I, know, I did. I did. I, as well, turns with like my first ever, ever show of um, CBS Daytime I've ever remember watching. And not the price is right, you, right? Not the price, no. For no. Bob Barker, it's all about Craig Montgomery. <laughs> 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 well, see, I didn't really see him until, you know, when Margot pulled the plug on Casey and then he came on and did that thing for just a few brief appearances and then he didn't really come back until 93, so. <laughs> that's right, yeah, that's right. See, I, I do know. That show. You died twice off camera. Yeah, yeah, off camera, and then and then always returned. I was held by terrorists once. Nice. And then and then of course James Denbeck. You can't forget James. That's of course who was out to kill everybody at all times. The the wonderful and amazing Anthony Herrera, great actor, great guy. I would love to talk to him too, but I'd be afraid to talk to him. I'm like intimidated by him for some reason. Actually, Anthony I, is a giant young guy. He's like a little boy in this in this villain man's body. He's a wonderful. Are you wonderful serious? Guy. Yeah, he's a really great. He's just a good old southern boy, and he's a he's a good guy. He's in, currently in Argentina, where he has fallen in love with the tango, and a oh, woman wow. down there, and now he spends his time in South America dancing the tango. Wow. That's pretty cool, That sounds actually. like something that Stenbeck would do. Yes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. Like, what a great scene. You walk, is that James, you know, in the, ta in the tango scene? It would be wonderful. He'd be doing that with Barbara. <laughs> Absolutely. But Barbara would be tied to him, unable to escape. That, 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 that's James right there, yep. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Now, one of the things I found out about, and I didn't find this out until when you came back to the show in 2007, I had no idea that Ed, Ed Bryce was your father. Yeah, Ed Bryce was my dad. He played uh, Bill Barrow on The Guiding Light for years. The Guiding Light. Always on, he was on The Secret Storm before that, and he played Dr. Ed Deming on As the World Turns. Actually, five members of my family were on As the World Turns. My mother, my father, my brother, my wife, and myself. Wow. Yeah, wow. Amazing, right? It's like the Barrymore's <laughs> daytime. Definitely yeah. it in the family. <laughs> yeah, my brother Philip was Lucinda's pilot. My uh, mother played this character, Bunny, who was like poor white trash. Her, her children were uh, holding um, uh, Duncan McKechnie's wife kidnapped. Yes, 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 yes. And then uh, my wife played a Vogue editor uh, for fashions and had like one scene one day with Barbara. That was it, but that was the fifth. So now I got my son, Jackson. We're trying to figure out how to get him on. 
But now that I'm not there, there anymore, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually, Scott, you actually, um, you worked with one of probably a very historic writer from Azeroth Terms, Douglas Marlin. What was it like? Oh, one of, the, one, of the, no. one of the just, I mean, I was so fortunate to have worked with him. He... The man, first of all, the guy was just a classy gentleman and an amazing man and an amazing friend and embraced the show and treated you as if you were a partner in the show. Mm -hmm. um, was very careful about romance. He understood romance in a, in, a, in a remarkably profound way, and it was always great to play. He actually told me the first time I was going to leave the show, and I had been the villain, and he said, well, look, if you stay, I guarantee I'll turn you into the hero of the show and you'll get an Emmy nomination for Best Actor. Nice. And I stayed, and it came true. Wow. He turned me into the hero wow. through love and through romance with Sierra, because I was really slimy before that. And then You were. Happened, you know, really slimy. <laughs> and then that, you know, saved me and cured me, that, that love. And then it was something that when that got destroyed, that Craig always chased after that, much to his destruction in the world around him. Right. Because you, basically, when you first came on, you were... Automatic. I wouldn't say pair, but you tried to get with one of who I can say now is probably one of the most popular actresses out there, Meg Ryan, when she first started on. I Admiral married Trump. her. On the show. Nice. Yeah, I married her. I was, uh, and and then if you remember, I had uh, I couldn't I couldn't perform on our wedding night. But you faked but, paralysis though when yeah, you got all in your. in one place though. All in one place. I mean, it was like you know, I think it was the waist down. Except one thing worked perfectly, honey. Please don't leave me. Yes, <laughs> and then remember, Kim Ulrich was my mistress that cured me from yes. my impotence. Yes. And when she first came on the show and walked on the set, she was so stunningly beautiful. Everybody stopped, and Arthur Murphy, the boom man at the time, leaned over and said, "Scotty, is that your cure?" And I said, "Yeah, Arthur, it is." He goes, "That could cure San Francisco." <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, lovely lady. And yeah, Meg was a Meg was. Hang on one second. I'm, I hope you don't mind. I'm also babysitting my son Aww. today while mommy's at an audition, so I got to take off. Nice. Do you want to say hi, Jackson? Yeah. Say hi. Hi. That was Jackson. Hi, Jackson. <laughs> hi, Jackson. <laughs> That's awesome. That wasn't. Oh, yeah. You weren't. You weren't filming the scene with Meg Ryan whenever there was a bear in the cabin, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to even remember that. I mean, we were doing so much crazy stuff, you know. We were working, we worked insane hours back then. I mean, that was like the days of big budgets, and we were on cruise ships with David McCallum. Remember that? My, uh, my, when I was, when I stole the coin from Steve and fled with Barbara, and we wound up on a cruise ship to the Bahamas, which we shot on all like for four days. No. But we were doing so much material. There was so much insanity. I mean, I was. I was brainwashed by the KGB. I kidnapped my own child. I was fighting terrorists in the landlocked island nation of Montega. You know, it was, a, it was a romp and a fun and a blast. And, you know, probably, what would I do, five and a half years and then a break and then another couple of years. And then I had a 13-year break until this last time I came back. And it was actually shocking yeah. to see how much the industry has been forced to change and sad. Right. It, it it's just, a different world. It just completely went down into a downgrade. I thought, you know, one of you know one one of the things I would love to uh, talk to you about is what do you think of the daytime industry as a whole right now? Just like looking from the outside in. Well, I think it has a lot to compete with. I mean, one of the things that it competes with is we no longer have news; we have infotainment, 
and it's very difficult <laughs> to compete with who's the father of Anna Nicole Smith's baby. Who can beat that? Oh my God! Who can beat Lindsay Lohan? And you know, I mean, we, those are our new soap opera characters, Brangelina. Those I are never thought about before. I want to know about it, and so they have. That, that's one of the of its downfalls is, is that it's been replaced by reality that's just packed right. and made to look the same way. And then it comes, that kind of reality, that news reality is delivered 24-7, so you don't need, who can set aside time for 2 o'clock in the afternoon? Our lives have become incredibly complicated. There's no stay-at-home mothers anymore. I mean, back in my father's day, Guiding Light had like 25 million viewers, and they're, they have under 2 million now. Yeah. And that's a tough <laughs> business reality. It's tough to keep, to keep going. So there were times where it felt like, I mean, it's such a great genre. It's, such, it's too bad because I think, it'll, I think it'll find a home probably on SoapNet at some point because it is a genre that I think is still valid. I think they're, they can do a lot of good. I think they can affect a lot of change if they had the audience. But they don't anymore. But I think that's well, true of all of them. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of the audience, if you guys are out there and you want to join in on all this fun, you can actually call into the show at 646 646- Five nine five four two two eight to ask Scott, or if you want to ask. Now one second, I'm having a mini meltdown. What do you want? Okay. To call <laughs> well, if you want to call in and talk to the sun, you can talk to Jackson. the sun too. Say hello to Jackson. Jackson. Well, actually, Jackson's so popular here in town that I've been reduced to I'm Jackson's dad. Well, I am. <laughs> oh, that's a. <laughs> that's he's cute, love. though. Jackson is love. <laughs> Jackson is love. What do you need, buddy? You want something? Okay, he'll be all right. He's got his car. <laughs> all of all of the chat room is right now is saying hi to Jackson. <laughs> of course, well, they, they, just, they just basically they just basically skip past Scott and just oh, went straight to the that's what, No, and that's what's happened to our lives. My wife's an actress. I'm I'm an actor. We walk down the street. Oh, it's Jackson's parents. Where's Jackson? Everybody loves him. He's a good guy. That's you want so I'm gonna give him some yogurt. Nice. Actually, I just bought some yogurt from the store today, so good for yogurt. Healthy you loves it. Yeah, nice. Very good for you. Okay. Uh-huh. So, yeah, the industry, I mean, the industry has changed, and it can't it can't help but do it because that's just the reality. That's the name of the game. Even the, the highest primetime show now, like, you know, 20 million viewers, which people are thrilled about. That used to be stuff daytime got 30 years yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. And those numbers exactly. have just changed. We've got 500 channels to choose from. You can watch any movie you want right now. And that's a very difficult, me- you know, it's, it, there's going to be new media like you. I mean, you are an example of the explosion and the change of, of where media is going, and that is actually very exciting. In many ways, the power goes back into the creator's hands, and you guys get to have a show and put it on, and, and it's valid and wonderful. So that's really, that's very exciting about what the future can be. Nice. Well, we actually have I a. Uh, are you ready for a fan question? Are you ready for some fan questions? We have some of the people out there. They want to know. They want to ask you some questions. We actually have. Um, who, who do we have here? I have a uh, an IM from Oakdale U2. Obviously, loves Oakdale, and they say that this is Ron asks, "What was your favorite story of the '80s that you did, and do you still keep in touch with former As the World Turns castmates?" I think the favorite story was faking the paralysis just because it was so damn funny off camera. I mean, the outtakes were, were the best part. You know, and you know, Kim Ulrich, Diana McCall throwing hot tea in my lap to make me jump out of my wheelchair is just a classic moment. So that was the most fun. Um, 
you know, and I got to rescue my sister from the burning building that I arranged to be burned down for. Ins- I remember I burned down a home for runaway children for profit. So uh, I did remember that, yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, and then I had to jump out of my wheelchair and, and go rescue my sister when I found out that she was in the building, and that was fun. I do keep in touch with a lot of the people I've worked with. Elizabeth Hubbard and I, uh, amazing actress and somebody I consider my mentor for that work. Brian Bloom and I, the ex-Dusty Donovan, are oh, very, right. very close friends. We stay in contact a lot. We hung out a lot together in uh, in California. Uh, who else? Uh, Tamara Tooney and I are like brother and sister. We have shared a home in Encino for a couple of pilot seasons several years ago. They, She and her husband have been to my wedding. We're very, very close friends. So there's a few. There's a, You know, it's a, you establish relationships that you work with people more intimately and tighter and over more hours than you do with your own family. And many of those relationships last a lifetime. I'm very grateful for them. Very nice. Well, thank you, Ron, for asking. Ron actually also says that he is a huge fan of yours and has watched you since the uh, the first day you ever started. So. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, Ron. Tomorrow, Jimmy, she, how's she doing? She's, she's actually from Pittsburgh, my hometown of Pittsburgh. That's how I definitely recognize with her. So. Tamara's doing awesome. Tamara uh, was nominated for one Tony Award this past year and won a second Tony Award wow. producer for Spring Awakening. Wow. She had been nominated for a producer of... Um, another straight play. I'm trying to remember the name of it. I can't at the moment because of my screaming child. And uh, then she won for Spring Awakening, and she just finished directing her first feature film. And she is oh, wow. still on Law and Order Special Victims Unit. And she and I are working together with Arnie Mazur and Matt Penn from Law and Order, working on a broad, off-Broadway play called Out, which we hope to bring to off-Broadway this fall, and then do a televised version of it. So, yeah, we're staying in touch. That's one of the projects I'm working on. Very nice. Now, you have done several several guest appearances on comedies. Uh, what's the difference between doing comedies and doing the dramatic performances that you have done? What was the best part of doing them, or what were the differences? I'm pretty sure there are a lot. There are a lot. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that uh, sitcoms are actually the closest there is to doing a stage play. In, in television, because you do it from beginning, middle, and end. You tell the entire story. You do each scene twice. The audience becomes an actor because the audience, it's always funny when you do a sitcom in front of a live audience because the second time the joke comes around, the audience laughs even louder because now they know they're supposed to laugh here. And they become part of it. They become part of the event, and you, and you feel like you're doing a mini play. So you rehearse all week and then perform it twice, and then if you have to, you stick around late at night and do pickups or close-ups if it's a big shot like... Murphy Brown wedding or something, or Joe's wedding on Facts of Life. But <clears throat> then in drama, you don't, there's oftentimes, I don't even meet most of the cast because it's single camera, it's done a different way, you have no, right. virtually no rehearsal time, you show up, you do your stuff, and then you see it later and you go, oh, they were in that? Oh, God, I wish I'd do that. I would love to see them. You see some friends that were co stars you never even met during the, during the filming. And films like that, too. You come in for a series of weeks, even on a feature. Are you done? Do you want to get down? No. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. See, Mommy had a big audition today. Nice. Daddy stuck home with the boy. And luckily, we live near the beach, so we just got back from that. Sure. Now he's, oh. down, he's done. Look at you. Ready? Let's clean you up. Okay, what's the next guy? Any other questions? <laughs> what, what, who else? Are you, what else do you have out there? I mean, there's so many people. I'm uh, working. Uh, let's see. I'm doing um, that with Tamara Tooney. 
I'm working on a very low-budget feature uh, with a guy named Chaz Menendez from Up Against the Wall Productions. I'm cool. still working at the Palace Theater, where I've been for uh, five or six years, and we just finished a thing for PBS called Young American Heroes, which is uh, three modern-day people with the help of a supercomputer get to look into and meet people in the past. And our pilot episode was on Frederick Douglass and Jamie Hector of The Wire, who's currently on uh, Heroes, was our Frederick Douglass and did an amazing job. And that will be airing on PBS in September. I'm working with Lucy Arnez and Larry Luckinbill developing a show. And then I'm working with Stu Jacob developing a concept for bringing live theater to television. So I've been kind of busy. Yeah, definitely. All right. We got a, we got a question from the uh, chat room coming on now. Okay. This comes from Roger, Roger Newcomb, uh, one of my friends. He wants to know, since your dad uh, was an actor, did you always want to get into that acting field originally, or did you want to uh, do something else? No, um, I, indeed, I was forbidden from acting until I was 16 years old. And you were I, forbidden? Yeah, well, yeah, the brothers, we were all kept out of it. And um, my eldest brother's a minister, my next brother's a, an attorney. Um, and the first time I walked onto a stage, I think it was in ninth grade, and summer school and they brought us like a theater project and I knew I was going to hate it because it's what mom and dad did and I hated their career because they were never home and, and then I walked up to, onto the stage and when I arrived on the stage I felt calm I don't know how else to explain it like an inner peace locked in and I knew that I was home mm. and I never looked back wonderful wow. answer the question Roger and uh, I actually have a very very nice one um you have been pretty much open as far as your release from the show. And I don't know if you still are. <laughs> oh, if, I, if I'm still open about it or still released? <laughs> You're still... <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm totally I'm open. Up. I, talked about it. I, had, I did one interview with TV Guide, and the reason why I did the one interview with TV Guide and nobody else is because when I first came back on the show, they, I, TV guy wanted to do an interview with me, and I said, sure. And then there was a call by publicity and said, no, you can't do that. We've given your exclusive to Soap Opera Weekly. And no offense at all to Soap Opera Weekly, and Soap Opera Weekly is great, and Soap Opera Digest, and tremendous industry papers, but what's your reach, and why are we preaching to the people who already know I'm coming? This seems right. crazy. So on the way out the door, I thought, I'm just doing TV Guide. And I thought it was actually a really uh, a good interview. I tried to be honest. It was a very difficult 10 months to come back. I w it was difficult because of what's happened to the industry. Um, and so that was a shame to see that there's, there's no time anymore. And the only way to make it financially possible to keep putting these things on the air is to just streamline the system into an efficiency mode, at which point there's, n there's no room for creativity anymore. There's no room to be good anymore. And that's true of right. cast and crew and writers. I mean, everybody's just under the gun to try to make this stay on the air. Um, and that was, exactly. that, was t that was difficult and that was tough. And then my relationship with the executive producer was very difficult and very disconnected. And I think what he really wanted was Hunt Block. And so whenever Scott yeah. Bryce was doing Scott Bryce's work, he'd be like, well, what is that? And, you know, the, my hair, I would, I would continuously fight for them because they would just want my hair greased back. And I'm like, that's not, that's not what I want. Let's do something else. Let's, you know, let's make this. I've always tried to bring human to the villain, 
no matter how sick or villainous mm-hmm. he is, based on the theory that nobody does anything wrong. They convince themselves that they're right first for right. Whatever, their, whatever their reasons. And bad guys don't think of themselves as bad guys. They often think of themselves as victims. Do you need something? Of course, oh, We yes. can't go outside. No, 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 no. <laughs> so I've always tried to do that and to try to keep it as human as possible. You want exactly. to see Grandma? Well, Ooh, she's not Grandma. Home Grandma's not <laughs> home yet. She's going to come home and see you later. She's going to visit you later. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Grandma's going to come visit. So, um, yeah, isn't this weird? This is like this is parenthood, guys. This is like duality living. Two conversations oh going on simultaneously. You want some more yogurt? Oh. Okay. <laughs> he wants yogurt. Mm. You want more? I like it. <laughs> you want watermelon? I like the interaction with the sun. That's so cool. That's really cool. That is never, really cool. I, ne- I never had that before. I actually like it. <laughs> Doing an interview with a parent on the phone. What do you want? You're doing it. Let's find out what do you want. What do you want? What do you want? Well, let's go look. More up yogurt. Here. I'm hearing some more Dora yogurt. the Explorer. I don't know why he loves awesome it. show. It's his first crush. <laughs> I. That's very sad that you watch Dora, Matt. <laughs> I don't watch Dora the Explorer. Oh, yeah, you, think, you know, I know all the Noggin songs. I have no idea what's going on in the world. But I know everything on Noggin. I know everything that Pooh Bear's been up to the last year. Nice. <laughs> Pooh oh. Bear. I haven't watched Pooh Bear in so long. But, uh, yeah, you made some very good points, especially about different actors bring different personalities to the part. You know, Hunt Block had something you didn't have. You didn't. Absolutely. You had... You have something that Hunt Block doesn't have. You each know actor's I mean? going to right, each actor does the role their own way. And Hunt Block, a testament to Hunt Block, his fans were very, actually, very tough on me when I first came on. It was, a, it was actually really hard. Really? Been, oh yeah, I had been away for 13 years. There were, there were old fans of mine thrilled that I was back. There were people who never knew me, who only knew Hunt Block's Craig. And it was a, that was a very different Craig. And when I first came back, there was sort of an amalgam of, of him. And for me. Nothing was really working, actually, until Meg got pregnant. And once Meg got pregnant, and I thought it was my kid, that I can play. That's family, that's love, that's his desperation to make everything work, that's human. Everything Uh before that, nothing could make sense to me. I'm like, why is he marrying her? Why is she marrying him? Why can you sign over a major multinational corporation with less signatures than it takes to rent a car? The I mean, fans said the same right. thing. <laughs> they were just—it was crazy, and and so it was very, very tough. And you know, we do the wedding. Why are we getting married? Why am I here? Why are we on the honeymoon? Why do I care? Why did she right. care? And then why did she stay? And none of it made any sense until she was pregnant. Then you, you can see why two people would try to make something work. And actually, I thought that was when the, my best work on the show happened. Sadly, was the last three months. When there was when there was something human to go after and to pursue, and however villainous and sick and dysfunctional he is, you know it made sense to me as an actor. Um, before that, it didn't. It was just we're talking about objects and things that it's plot over people, and that's yeah. I think a big mistake, particularly in that genre. That's a lot of a lot of the fans. A lot of the fans basically pretty much say they don't like the plot-driven material. They want character-driven material right. as far as this stuff is, and it's been character-driven for years. You know, like we just mentioned, when Doug Marlin, rest in peace, 
you know, who I grew up on, you know, he, he pretty much had that and he can pretty much convey he pretty much conveys Craig as the misunderstood hero. Mm-hmm. Misunderstood hero. And I don't think really Craig has been that way even when Hump Block was playing him. I was um, there at the time, but Hump Block said, I heard this from a lot of other actors who were there when he said it, he in the back and killed him. The, the, the character was done. He was like, "This, I can never take this back. I have really? mur- murdered somebody. That'll never, that never goes away. And that ruins the character. The character had killed before. That's different. Self-defense, war, terrorism, murder. You know, not, but when it's murder for your own revenge, for your own money, I mean, what? Like purposely. Purposely. Shot him in the back and killed him. And then he's like, well... That you don't you don't give that back. Yeah. Uh, that really changed the character. And I think killing yeah. Bryant was a mistake just for the show. I thought that was kind of stupid because it's, it could have been that could have been a, that, a next generation Montgomery would could have been fun. Of course, we like but, uh, the actor Todd Rotondi. We miss him. Mm-hmm. He's an awesome guy. Yeah. And uh, that and there's, and there's tons they could have done with the character. And so when he left, you know, when I left, I mean, I had Chris Galvin say to me. We're just done with the story. We don't know what to do with you anymore. And I thought, well, that's and there you have it. There, there, yeah. there you have it. If you yeah. Figure out what to do with me. There you have it. Because boy, you could do anything with Craig Montgomery. Anything. Of course. So what? What you know? And I was like, okay. Then you're out of the story. Then, well, we're out of time. <laughs> there was there was so much more. You know, there was more potential for Craig, especially. He didn't interact with everybody who I thought he was going to interact family. with before. I had his family. with Liz Hubbard, and they were like, they were short. What's the point? Did you, did you have any scenes with Ellen Dolan? I had like a handful, and the, and they were wonderful because oh my god, I love Ellen Dolan, and and we have the history of the family, so it we could read the phone book and it's going to be full. Um, I had <laughs> no scenes. I spoke no lines to my sister Katie in ten months. Yes, that's what I was going to say. I remember that. Yeah, we were talking about that, that you had really no scenes with uh, Katie Peretti, Terry Comino, no, on the show. The time, no, and I love Terry, and and we were always looking forward to it. It was like, oh, there's my kid's sister, and let's let's experiment, but let's play with that, because that's what the old Craig Lilly relationship was. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, there's a tremendous potential for that thrown out. You know, look, they let Martha Byrne walk. I mean, What? <laughs> I was about to ask you about that. Absolutely. Yes. What's the what? burn walk out the door? What? You know, it doesn't make any sense. So there's a lot of there are decisions being made on the show, and I think if there's you know when it becomes about plot over people, and when you're dropping the good actors and propping up people that aren't, uh, I think you're you know you're going to be off the tracks. If you're losing audience, it's just going to continue. And I don't. And I think if you wanted to streamline it, my, my old thought was that we came back from Bermuda on a ship. It was insane how much money was being spent. Insane. And I thought, you know, <clears throat> these shows used to be on black velour with teacups. And you could do that again if you had character, if you had characters that people cared about, if you had characters that people think of as their secret family, which is what soaps used to be. And you could tune exactly. into those lives, and, and, and there was a certain regularity and a certain comfort in it. And yet, at the same time, you were also seeing people change 
and transform, as they do in reality. And so it became a metaphor for people's lives. People learned to speak English through soap operas. People, you know, brave people like Sharita Bauer, who played my uh, father's wife on Guiding Light, who wrote her own diabetes like into the show, demanded it. And when she had her leg amputated, they wrote it in. And she played it. And, and that kind of stuff is gone. And that's too bad. And I'm not sure which came first, you know, the losing of the audience or or the or changing the shows, but I will say it feels like you're on the Titanic and all they want to do is go faster. And I, I don't see how that saves the ship. Let me ask you something. Um, I'm sorry, I kept interrupting you. Uh, go ahead, Matt. Oh, well, actually, actually, we have a fan question. Another fan question popped up to me. This comes from Deed537, and she says... She was a big fan of you on a show that was should not have been canceled a couple of years ago. Popular. Oh yeah, Popular was a really fun show. Yeah. Um, the same people that do Nip and Tuck right now. Ryan Murphy was the head writer, and Shepard Robbins Productions produced it. And it was a Disney Warner Brothers project. And it was a show I'm so proud of. It was. It shared. I think it brought. It took a lot of risks and did a lot of new things that I think are, are reflected today in shows like Ugly Betty. I think that Ugly Betty shares the same palette that Popular had and and the same kind of pop culture snapshot that you're able to do something really funny and really clever and very silly and yet have very powerful messages that are inside of that. And I thought that the show was very effective that way, and I, I was very proud to be on it. I love the cast. I love the crew. It was a blast. And my trailer was seven minutes from my house in Los Angeles, so I rode my bike. Nice. Day, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was well, very sad when you. that show got canceled. But, yeah, yeah it was a wonderful show. It's available on DVD, however, both seasons. <laughs> Go and then we got another, we got a, we got another uh, fan question. This comes from Van Hand fan. Uh, she wants to know, uh, would you come back to the show, and if you would, what would it take for you to come back? I, I, I can't imagine uh, coming back, and I can't imagine a scenario that would make me comfortable coming back. I really, I, 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 I don't. Uh, there would have to be tremendous and serious leadership changes for me to come back. I think that's the best way to put it. I have to agree. I so I have to agree because what what I wanted to ask you is, did you? Because I know we mentioned earlier um, in the program where you know you and Chris Gamlin went at it during the show because he probably wanted to be wanted you to be more of a hump block. Did you have any say in what the character, what you wanted to do for the character? No, actors no longer have any say. As a matter of fact, I went up at one point with uh, my co-scene partner, Marie, who is one of the nicest human being on the planet. I mean, truly a wonderful girl. God knows how she commutes to her family in Los Angeles weekly, but she does. Um, and... Uh, because we, 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 we were at a roadblock. Why are, we to get, why are we still dating? It was the scene where I offer her the annulment. We're, we're back. Paul's dead. We're married, but who cares? And I have the annulment, and I take her to dinner, and I hand it to her. And she tears it up and throws it in my face. And we go, <laughs> we go why? Here's your winning lottery ticket. No, thank you. What? So we went up to the office. Why? Why are we doing this? Why? You're asking too many questions. Okay. We were told basically to shut up and just do what we're we're supposed to do. 
And so, right. no, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't any kind of input like there was in the old days. You know, Doug Marlin right. would take me out to dinner, and I would know what Craig Montgomery was doing for the next six months specifically and for the next year generically. And on As the World Turns Today, if I, had, if I worked tomorrow, I couldn't tell you what was going to happen to me the next day. And that was, that's also very tough to play. There was never an arc. You don't, you don't know where, or if there is an arc, you don't know where you are in it. Exactly. I think that's a manipulative way to treat actors, and it can be effective, I guess, but it's, I, don't think it's a, I don't think it's a respectful way to treat actors. Exactly. And you left, you left with a big, a big thing, you know, car bombing Paul's car. How can you come back from that? Well, you can't kill Paul. He's, you know, he's the Rasputin of daytime is what I called him. He's impossible to kill. Um, yeah, if you watch the scene, the car was vaporized. <laughs> I don't know how you come back from that, but hey, I came back from a plane crash. So it's a soap opera. When it comes down to it, it just comes down to being a soap opera. And it was a nice. I thought it was a good. It was at least a good exit. And uh, I had a really. I had one of my best scenes with Elizabeth Hubbard on my last day, saying goodbye to her, and where I just I kissed her. It wasn't in the script. It was one of the first improvs I did on that show was my last day and I just I leaned over and kissed her and the directors loved me so nobody was fighting me for anything on my <laughs> last day I could do whatever I wanted they were all shocked I mean a lot of people were very shocked and I wasn't I was one of the few people that wasn't shocked I was anticipating it well really? speaking, speaking of improv and Elizabeth Hubbard we heard a rumor from uh, Jake Silverman he says that Jake. he's awesome isn't he yeah, he, he is said he said Elizabeth sometimes goes off script, but so if that's the case, you just have to go with it. Is that true? It is absolutely true. When you're working with Elizabeth Hubbard, my best advice is listen carefully. <laughs> that's my best advice, and I'll tell you that that's what that's what good acting is: is listening really carefully. Acting you is are, acting. Your energy is going to the other person. This is not a self-involved medium or industry or, or talent. It's actually the reverse. You have to give, 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 and you have to watch and listen. And with Liz, there was no, you had to be on your game because you'll know when your cue is. You won't know what it is, but you'll know when it comes. You better be ready. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she is an amazing actress and an equally amazing woman. She's a remarkable, remarkable lady. I have huge respect for her. Well, I think that would probably be a really good, for Intern, the show Intern, that would be a really good um, little mission for the, the intern to do, following Elizabeth Hubbard, keeping follow up with Elizabeth, Elizabeth Hubbard. Hubbard. Exactly. Absolutely. Follow Elizabeth Hubbard. Right? That could, be a, that could be an entire show. That could be a reality show. What do you need, buddy? Mommy's not home. She's in New York at a big audition. <laughs> Mommy's at the audition for Therapy the Musical. Nice. Therapy the Musical. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, My good wife luck is a musical that. theater actress. She's, uh, she was in um, Original Company of Jekyll and Hyde and then closed the show with David Hasselhoff. And then uh, she was in Urban Cowboy, the musical. Wow. Lonnie Price directed. And then she uh, was in Heaven Help Us. It was supposed to come in and didn't. Sadly, it died in Denver. It was about the Rat Pack. I thought it was great, but it couldn't get the heat it needed. And then she's touring her one-woman show, uh, Cabaret Act, that she does. So the Bryce family's busy. Which is good. Sounds like it. So, what would you say is the difference between theater 
doing theater or film in the movie, what kind of differences can you point out? I saw a really funny T-shirt once, and it said, theater is life, film is art, television is furniture. (laughs) Oh, wow. And there's something to that. And uh, it is each medium is very different, but for in film the work is very, very, very minuscule. You work in minutia. John Abnett once said to me, he said, "Listen, if you think it, it's too big. Just let it flow through your head." When I was on a super close-up, because your face is 50 feet across, so it's a very, very different and subtle and quieter way of working. Um, television is a little bit bigger and much faster because you're inside this box, so it's, you have to break out of the box a little bit. Daytime has become impossible. I don't even know how they get through the day. I mean, really, it's remarkable. Just can't, the fact that they finish a day at 6 o'clock, impossible, and, they, and everybody makes it. But again, it's, you know, it's, it's sort of broad. And theater, you live. You live the story that you're telling. And every night, every time you perform it, there's going to be slight differences because that's life. And so every night's a little different. Every night's a little new. Every night the audience is different. And there's a wonderful moment in the theater that doesn't happen anywhere else. I mean, at the end of the day, if you do a really great job on a movie, a crew member comes over to you and says, yo, Scotty, nice work. That's like an Oscar. I mean, that's amazing. And in television, you don't get feedback unless it's, you know, fan mail or fan response, which is wonderful. But in the theater, there is a moment, if the play is good, when the audience all becomes one person and you can feel it happen, and then we are sharing the common human experience. And when that happens with a really good play, now theater is elevated. Now theater is temple. Now theater is something bigger, and it can serve, and it can teach, and it can enlighten, and it can inform both the audience and the performers. So that's the most exciting venue, but it's the least to pay because you can only – how many seats you got? That's how many – how much exactly. money you make. And film, how many seats you got? How many people are there on Earth? And that's a different, that's a different economics. But the theater, although it doesn't pay, is the is the most rewarding for for me is when I'm acting. Wow. <laughs> so I, I'm thing, just right? taking it back because that's. I love theater, and I love people who are in theater, so they can describe what theater life is like. I love the rush of theater. Yes, there's nothing. There is nothing like it, because it is a, you're 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 working without a net. <laughs> there's no. I'm sorry. Can we do that again? I just I'm going to do that a little differently. You know, you, you go. You're there. You're living it. And uh, exactly. And there's no. You can't rely on much except the craft and the work of the playwright, and the eye and talent of your director, and your fellow castmates. But when you're out there looking into the eyes of a of a great actor and, you know, whoever that is, whether that's Larry Brigman or whoever, it's just there's nothing like it. There's an incredible rush, and it takes me time to come down from it after a performance. I need a couple of hours before I can go to sleep. Absolutely. Now, before you leave, I never told you this before, but uh, we have all our guests basically ask the host questions. So whatever is burning on your head. How did you get this show started? That's a good question. Well, you actually are the creator of it. Why don't you take that? I'm just for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
I basically I paid Matt twenty bucks to basically uh, be my co-host. Um, <laughs> oh, you produced this in India, though. I wish. <laughs> where are you guys? Where 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 are you located? I'm in Jersey. Uh, I'm uh-huh. in Novell. I'm in Jersey. Matt's in uh, Pennsylvania. So. Oh, cool. Pittsburgh, PA. Yep. Hometown. <laughs> and I pretty much uh, got it started once uh, I heard the the demise of soap talk, since there was no other kind of avenue where soap stars can interact with fans or have their soap stars interviewed in some kind of fashion. So that's pretty much where the idea came from. I just I just ran with it. You know, well, it's a lot you. of... I think that's great. And isn't it great that the technology exists that you can just do that? <laughs> you know, go, I'm going to put a show on the air. Yeah. And, uh, that's, really, that's, that's kind of wonderful. I mean, that's, where I, that's what I mean, that it's the Wild West and, and puts the power back in the creative people's hands because you didn't have to go get studio approval. No. You don't have to deal with any network people or telling you what you got to have on. It's your show. You guys have a show, and you've done it. And so I did to support it and support that kind of thinking and producing. So good for you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Awesome. All right. Well, you know what, guys? It is diaper-changing moment. Oh, no. So Love I think, that. I think it's probably a time for me to bring this to a close, May. Before you leave, it's actually really quick. We actually love to have our guests do promos. Um, we have tons of as real terms, you know, so many promos from them, and you are no different. How is it doing? Real quick for us, we know you have to go. You say something like, hey, this is Scott Bryce, and you're listening to Buzzworthy Radio. You got it. All right, we're ready for you. Hey, this is Scott Bryce, and you are listening to Buzzworthy Radio. It's the future. Check it out. Awesome. You have a great voice for radio. Thank you so much, Scott. It was awesome talking yeah. to you. A very Total pleasure. Thanks for calling me, and uh, anytime I'd be willing to talk to you guys. Heck, yeah, and we'll see you later, Jackson. All right. Bye, Jackson. All right. Bye-bye. Total pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Three great interviews back-to-back. Maurice Bernard, Patricia Richardson, and Scott Bryce. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the second of our five-night stretch of, of anniversary shows here on Anniversary Week on Buzzworthy Radio. Now, tomorrow on Wednesday, the 3rd, we're actually going to have two shows for you, one in the morning and one at night. Stop by Wednesday morning at about 10.50 a.m. Eastern. We are going to be joined by James Reynolds, who plays the role of Abe Carver on NBC Daytime's Days of Our Lives. He's going to be stopping by for a quick minute to discuss with us his role, as well as celebrating 45 years of Days of Our Lives being on the air. Now, on November 8th, which is that coming Monday, Days of Our Lives will begin airing in HD. Just saying, you know, they're going to be airing in HD on November 8th. So look forward to that. And then on Wednesday night, uh, we have two interviews that we're going to be rebroadcasting. The first one is with James Maslow, who plays the role of James Diamond on Nickelodeon's hit show, Big Time Rush followed by the interview with Chris Harrison, who hosts The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and The Bachelor Pad on ABC, as well as the Red Carpet Pre-Emmy shows on the TV Guide channel. I loved talking with Chris Harrison because he definitely let his opinions be shown about the shows that are coming out of the woodwork that somewhat resemble that of The Bachelor. So here is opinions on that on, on Wednesday night, starting at 10 p.m. Eastern. But join us Wednesday morning to listen to James Reynolds 
at about 10.50 a.m. Eastern. I'm looking forward to doing these shows, and hopefully you guys come back here Wednesday night celebrating Anniversary Week with us. I'm the J. Lee, making sure you guys get the latest buzz with Buzzworthy. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Can't get enough of Buzzworthy Radio. Log on now to www.buzzworthyradio.net to get the latest news on upcoming guests, past shows, and videos of all your favorite stars. Keep getting the latest buzz with Buzzworthy.